Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Autosport.com and Autosport magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Well, Carlos Sainz stunned Max Verstappen with his maiden Formula One poll and a very popular poll with the crowd as the Ferrari driver topped the wet qualifying at the British Grand Prix. It was Max Verstappen in second, Charles Leclerc third in the second Ferrari. And once again, we are live here in the GP Racing Fan Village and we are back in the marquee last night with your pub quiz. Cotters, how did it not? It's not a pub quiz. It's a very high-class quiz. It's, How did it go? It was a high-class quiz. Oh, yeah, I thought it went brilliantly, and not just because of me <laughs> hosting. But no, there were no fights. Everyone got fed. Lots of people won prizes. And hopefully uh, a good time was had by all. There were some rather frisky children who were uh, kind of risking head injuries on, on the wooden dance floor that sits before us. But um, Kids are always know, first up. Kids are always first up to the, the dance floor. They got uh, no inhibitions, and we're joined by our Grand Prix editor Alex Kalanokis. Uh, good to hear from you, from you for the first time this weekend. How's it been back at Silverstone, back inside the paddock? Hi, Martin. Yeah, uh, excellent. Yeah, it's uh, it's buzzing compared to what it was this time a year ago. I mean, like it was the sellout crowd last year. You know, the, the first one. I think George Russell uh, told me a couple of weeks ago it was like being slapped in the face. It was like suddenly having all those fans back wonderfully after the uh, early stages of the pandemic. But inside, uh, in the in the paddock, it was absolutely empty, total ghost town because of the remaining COVID restrictions. And yeah, very, very, uh, very, 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 very uh, alive with 
humanity. Good. That's what I'd like to say. I saw them. Um, <laughs> Indeed. And, and Indeed. Ce- there's a bit of celeb spotting over lunch. There's Go uh, Gordon Ramsay, uh, a footballer from Chelsea, I'm led to believe. Reese James, that's really Excellent. Think, uh, Keanu Reeves has been around. Yes, Keanu Reeves. Yes. Some he- actor, James Marsden. Right, in yes. Westworld. Yes. He's Cyclops been on the telly. Anchorman. Yes. Yeah. We had, we had a, a few cutaways of your mate, Nige. Uh, did, you, did you catch up with him over scrambled eggs this morning? Was, I, was Mansell in the house? I, I failed to. The thing was, I, I was actually speculating as to whether Carlos Sainz would be able to drive tomorrow because the force of the handshake that <laughs> Nigel subjected him to, I thought he was going to rip his arm out at the socket. Uh, yes, uh, we saw Nigel Mansell in the, uh, in the Ferrari um, pits, uh, or garages rather, uh, during qualifying, which was a wet qualifying and uh, and and boy did it shake things up we'll start Alex with you uh, talk about the the top three and a, and a surprise poll not us being surprised that's the poll sitter said he was surprised at getting a poll uh, by 0.072 seconds so only just look I must admit having watched the Red Bulls all weekend having watched Max in uh, FP3 and Q1 Q2 I thought it's only a matter of time before he turns it on but tell us how that top three worked out. Well, the main thing is uh, it's all down to Charles Leclerc, in fact, uh, spinning rather spectacularly, uh, hitting a bit of standing water coming out of chapel and going on to hang it straight. A very brief uh, yellow flag or yellow flag marker board activated ahead of uh, Verstappen who lifted off. Uh, He sort of, I think he was a little bit, there was a little bit on the radio of like, oh, I did lift off, I did lift off, you know, trying to explain that maybe you're still going on, but I think lost that little bit of tyre temperature, that little bit of momentum, and it never came back to him because he was he was massively up on himself in sector one, uh, but didn't improve his time overall, and science with the track evolution factor nipped ahead. I mean, you, you say, yeah, he was totally surprised, obviously, on his team radio, it, it felt awful. Um, but yeah, just, uh, just, just, just in the right place at the right time, running ahead of the incident. I think uh, Leclerc was pretty furious with himself. There was an interesting little call from Mattia Bonotto. Oh, that was the fastest, Charles. But uh, yeah, pain in his voice. Uh, but yeah, nevertheless, fantastic for science. He's been on a really good run of form uh, since Canada. We know the team have worked uh, very, very, cl- very hard to get him more comfortable in the car so that he's able to sort of deal with the looser rear end uh, that Leclerc is able to do um, that little, or was able to do that little bit faster in terms of adapting. So yeah, a popular pole position, I would say. Uh, Cotters uh, and a popular one with the crowd as well here at Silverstone. Whether it was his uh, his time at McLaren, the whole Calando bromance going on, but lots of lots of fans. Uh, it's a popular a popular pole position. A few fans in the grandstands not showing too much love to uh, Max Verstappen when he spoke, uh, which I don't understand because you're at a sporting event and you've paid lots of money to be here and you've just seen some of the best racing in the world on the most difficult track conditions. So those people confuse me. Uh, but either way, a popular, popular pole position. Deserved? I think so. No one did uh, a lap that they would be proud of, particularly today in, in Q3. But obviously Carlos is, was, was the fastest of a bad bunch, so he can give himself a good pat on the back. And I, I think you're right, Martin. The, he, there's a lot of love for Carlos in the crowd here. You know, he's, his, his dad was a world rallying legend. Carlos himself is a great chap. Like you say, he, he, he drove for McLaren. There's a lot of residual love there. Also, dare I say it, perhaps the same people who are booing uh, Max Verstappen, you know, quite happy that uh, Max had been demoted from a potential pole position yeah, by Carlos. Yes, so there was a yeah. little bit of that. Everyone loves a little bit of a pantomime villain. I, think. Yes. I don't think there's hatred behind the booing. It's, just, it's a little bit like um, 
booing you know, when, when Abanaza comes on in, in Aladdin. There's is a that what it is? Boo. Yes. But there was a big cheer when Max went back to... Alex is lost. He's like, uh, not uh, a big do panto. You, do you, do you, uh, Alex prefers musical theatre to panto. Okay, but understood. Les Mis is great. I'm understood. Um, but there was a big cheer here in the GP Racing Fan Village because we've got the, the big screen that we're on right now that... Um, that there was still plenty of people here, which I, th- I find interesting that people have bought a ticket to be here, but they chose to watch it, you know, not from wherever. But either way, they're watching it on the screens here. It's because we offer such a highly convivial environment. That's what it is. Yeah, uh, they want to get a seat for this podcast. That's what it was, a front row. Um, and there was a big cheer went up uh, when Max was on provisional poll. And I thought it was really interesting. It was nice, it was kind of it was nice to hear. Um, it, it went against that stereotype of, you know, the Brits don't want to see Max do well, which is, which is nonsense. Um, but in terms of issues that affected them, Alex, just talk about talk through that. So Max had a spin in qualifying as well. Um, Leclerc went off. I don't think we saw that on TV. Yeah, it was also a bad day for the TV director. Oh, okay. just, just just to interrupt Alex's flow, so the, the the TV director has not does not had a day to be proud of. Okay, I think uh, they were wisely sticking with Max Verstappen because, as you said earlier, Martin, he was he was on it. I've been on it all throughout the day and indeed in qualifying. But I think that, you know, the, the best of the conditions were actually right at the end of Q1 when it was pretty much dry. We looked out the media centre windows. There was nothing coming down to that dry line appearing. But then everything obviously turned for the worst uh, or, or, you know, or, or the less good and the rain came back. So basically the, the, the drivers were, uh, were actually struggling with something really, um, really quite small and interesting on their steering wheels in the fact that their dash delta was, was telling them from Q1, at the end of Q1 onwards, that they were slower compared to what their personal bests were. So slightly off-putting. I think it's really interesting when, um, you know, they're, they're so highly in tune with everything being absolutely perfect and how they need it. Leclerc yesterday in FP2, the reason why he was off Science's pace was because uh, his dash display was was wrong. It was telling him he was in the, a different engine mode to what he was in, and therefore it put him off enough to actually put him off the track. Mm. Couldn't recover that pace on the soft tyre and therefore ended up behind. So... They were dealing with that today. They sort of said in the press conference, actually, no, it doesn't, it doesn't make too much of a difference, but it was just something that they all, all noticed. It's a nice little detail there as well. Um, but yeah, so the TV director focusing on um, Verstappen, but it was such a rapid spin from Leclerc. He's a full 360. It's actually a great, a great save that it, it, it didn't become a, a bigger incident. Um, yeah, and that just, that's, that's just uh, what, what held up uh, Verstappen sufficiently. This is an immense display of skill, and I don't, that doesn't always come across on TV, but I think the crowd here do get to see that a little bit more. Yeah, when you're in the moment and, and you're out there in, in the conditions that the drivers are experiencing, I, th- I think you appreciate it more. When when you're watching, I just think back to a few weeks ago in, in Monaco when everyone was berating the FIA for starting it behind the safety car and delaying the start and saying, well, you know, they're the best drivers in the world. They can handle a bit of We had that on the, on, the, on the TV. We had that today. Best oh, drivers, yeah. several times, the best drivers, best in, drivers the in the world. Best drivers in the world. That cliche was rolled out. Which, which they are. It's like a button to press, isn't yes, it? <laughs> best drivers in the world. There we go. Not wrong. Um, it's stating the obvious. It's a great way of passing the time on television. Um, they they are, and, and you do appreciate it more when, when you're actually there experiencing those conditions than when you're sitting at home with your feet up uh, and a cup of tea on the go and, and a biscuit that you've accidentally, you know, you dunked in and left too long uh, and feeling a bit churlish because of that. So you take to social media to complain about the FIA. Uh, it, it, it just, you appreciate the, the, the skill and the spectacle a bit more and none more so at a fast circuit like this where... You are you are literally going a lot faster than you are in Monaco. The barriers are a bit further away, but also you have to be going faster to log a lap time. So wasn't it great to see 
uh, a driver like Nicholas Latifi, who is much derided by, in some quarters, for perhaps not being necessarily out of the top draw, to actually make it all the way to Q3 in well, such horrible conditions. According to social media, he's only here because his dad's rich, right? So that's the only reason he's on the grid. He's not a great driver, according to social media. And yet, yeah, a huge celebration for Williams. Uh, we saw that in the uh, in the garages as well, which is a real boost for that team that have been through some lows, long-time lows as well. Uh, let's have a quick talk about, as we move forward to look at tomorrow's main event, Alex, about how the cars might be set up because different teams have different philosophies and they have a wet qualifying. How do you set your cars up then heading into what's probably going to be a dry, we think it'll be a dry Sunday, right? So what are, what's your opinion on that? Should be, yeah. I mean, I think certainly with the, with the top teams, it's basically you give them a, a dry setup for the wet and they just have to deal with it and the best drivers will come to the fore. I know that particularly uh, in uh, the, think about the Canadian Grand Prix, also a wet qualifying session that like the Haas team were much further forward because they opted to try and make the best of the wet conditions. But yeah, I think the front guys are going to be, you know, happy with their with their setups. It's quite interesting. There's a little bit of a, a question mark for Carlos Sainz, the pole sitter, because uh, it was interesting. I was uh, lucky enough to go with Matt Q, who I know was on the podcast and here in Whittlebury uh, last night. We, we were lucky enough to go and watch uh, trackside from uh, Maggots uh, and looking out onto Beckett's as well. And um, Sainz's Ferrari, I mean, they're, all the cars are porpoising there. The Ferrari's doing it almost hilariously badly. Um, but Sciences was was much much worse than Leclerc's, and he sort of suggested they tried a few different things on on the on the on the stiffness and the ride for him that that backfired. So they they went they fixed it obviously for for qualifying. But um, but yeah, he's he's going to go in not not having that ultimate confidence that breeds some things you know just working. And the last time he, he raced in the dry, and um, but yeah. In terms of the race pace tomorrow, I think Max Verstappen starts as favourite because right. he was quickest over the long runs uh, in FP2. And just that's just the way it's gone so far this season. That's what the form book uh, would suggest. But we still yet haven't had the confirmation that what cost Ferrari, thinking back to Imola and Miami, their tyre management in a, in a dry race, haven't yet had enough data because of the team's shocking reliability <laughs> problems. Uh, whether they have fixed it, they are adamant that they have. So... In a in, in a weird way, I know like a wet a wet race would uh, produce some more spectacular events. I'm quite looking forward to the idea of it being dry, so that we finally get some answers. Because Ferrari really, really, really need to win, otherwise the tit- the title is going to go to Verstappen quite quickly. Is this more like a Barcelona, Alex, in that it, it's going to give you a better read, us as fans, a better read of where the the order is? You know, smoother track, normal race circuit, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think if you to get to give an example of, uh, of 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 why it's important to to assess things on a sort of almost like a laboratory setting, like I I would describe Barcelona more as, but Silverstone as well, because the teams have got so much data. Think back to Monaco. Sergio Perez wins that race because of Ferrari's various. Mm. I mean, gaffes. Let's face it, uh, and obviously the rain not helping uh, Charles Leclerc. But the narrative could have been very very different in that if Perez had not crashed at the end of Q three. I think Max Verstappen starts ahead of him on the grid and therefore if things play out as they did on the Sunday, he wins the race. So therefore, you know, that was the circumstances of the street track, the, you know, the unique nature of Monaco biting one driver and holding up another and then you know you're never going to pass there even in the wet as we saw. So yeah, this will, this will really uh, show the, um, you know, the true picture at the front of the grid. I think Baku did that. And that's pretty much, uh, pretty much uh, even though it's very high speed, it's line balls the whole time, but it's so wide. You, know, you do get a, a very fair reflection there. And calendar is the same, but it's a bit more sort of an, an old school track. It was, uh, it was phenomenal being, uh, being out there a couple of weeks ago. You really, uh, yeah, you really do you see the, it's, it's quite scarred, but in a, in, a, in a kind of cool way. Quite <laughs> yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, well established. Um, Codders, uh, w- what do you make of, tomorrow and how the how dry running 
um, could could go. If Max gets the jump on Carlos, is it kind of off he goes and away and controlling the race? If it's the other way around, have we got a race in our hands tomorrow? Or who's, who do you think has got the pace tomorrow? I think what we've seen, uh, as Alex said, it's, it's, it's difficult to make certain firm judgments because we haven't seen enough of what Ferrari's um, recent upgrades have done in the dry in, in proper running. The, their best hope is to get away ahead and to try and stay there. And if they can get two drivers ahead of Max, then they can start to play a few tunes strategically. Um, where they'll find a quandary is that their best bet for the championship is Charles and they're going to have to have that sort of Valtteri, it's James moment with Carlos at some point if they want Max to recover and start to get back into sorry, Max Charles to get back into contention for the championship. Whereas all Max has to do now, he has enough of an advantage to just sort of rack up the points without taking too many risks. Ferrari are in a position where they really do have to push and start to score at every race. And a decent advantage of points at every race as well, because, you know, it's this round 10. And so in terms of that battle for the championship, and I, I was asking you on the podcast earlier in the year, you know, why is Carlos Sainz so down? Like, he, he's in a car that can win a world championship, and the guy looks depressed if he's, you know, third. And I think you said to me, well, that's because he's got a car that can win the world championship. This is his chance. Both him and Leclerc know. So if you were running Ferrari, would you make a call this early in the season, make it all about one driver, or do you, you let him race? What do you do? It's a tough one. I would probably... Uh, and uh, and be very unpopular for doing this. I, I would actually have to say it. Although, mm-hmm. what 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 you do get, and, and and I think back to what was actually my first um, Grand Prix as a journalist, which was Austria two thousand and two, where Ferrari made that infamous call only a handful of races into the championship to swap places between uh, Rubens Barrichello and Michael Schumacher. And, and and what we didn't know then, but what we know now is that Barrichello was furious about it. But he'd, he'd been told in the pre-race briefing that that was what was going to happen. Michael was going to win because they weren't that confident that they had the best car and they wanted to bank all the championship points they could at that stage in the season. So the the dilemma you have as a team principal is that you you need your driver who's ahead in the points to bank as many points as possible to stay in contention for the championship. But you also need your other driver to stay motivated. And, you know, your, your worry then is if you make that call, that other driver thinks, well, you know, I'm not really getting proper service here. Their head drops and they then start to underperform just when you need them to play that dutiful number two role. It's interesting. Yeah, I think I, I agree with Codders. I think it's unpopular. Team orders are always unpopular and understandably so. But I think when Ferrari is so far behind, they have to back one horse. And that would have been Leclerc today if he hadn't got it wrong. I mean, this must go down as another one of those when the pressure's really on. It was going to come down to that final lap, as I said, because of the track evolution factor that he messes up, like happened in Imola, like we've seen in 2019, things like that. Um, but yeah, I think Ferrari, to regain the ground, they can't afford to be taking points off one car and giving it to the other. But what's interesting about science is that the reason why he was so down and frustrated earlier in the year, you're right, it was because he knew he had a championship capable car didn't know how fragile it was let's put it that way um but the reason why he was so unhappy was because he couldn't do what Leclerc was doing I mean up until today Leclerc had a perfect qualifying record against him like okay yeah he qualified behind in Canada but he, he didn't take any part really because of the, the engine penalties uh, so the engine 
uh, grid penalties that he got for changing that engine. So Science was unhappy because essentially he hadn't adapted as well to the to the new ground effect cars. Leclerc, a bit like Max Verstappen, very similar to Verstappen, I would say. Just supreme talent that they're able to chuck the car in. When the rear complains, they just go, right, I'm going to do something with the brakes and get off or back on the throttle, things like that. And they're able to just make that slight, slight change and they, and they can cope with it. Science couldn't quite do that and he sort of lost that momentum. And that really, you know, it was really impressive last year. His first year at Ferrari came in driving a car that Leclerc's already driven for a year in 2020 and beat him in the points. Now, obviously, circumstances uh, really did help him and they conspired against Leclerc, who looked like, you know, taking the, the bigger results for Ferrari in 2021. But Science came into the year thinking, right, this is, you know, I'm really going to build on that. And he couldn't do it. And he was quite he's quite upset with himself as a result of that. But, you know, the team, you know, he said even in, you know, Ferrari 1 and 2, the best result they've had for years, they know that they, they're going to they're gonna be in title contention. That's back in Bahrain. And he's sort of sat in the press conference like, oh, I just, what, you know, it's my worst weekend or worst weekend feeling for Ferrari. And and that was why. And, and they've worked uh, worked hard on that. They've, 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 they've altered the car a bit more to his liking. And it's all coming for him. And I asked him in the press conference, you know, you said in Canada you felt like you'd made a breakthrough, but you wanted to experience it on, as I said, going back to that those familiar tracks, that different kind of track that Silverstone is compared to a street circuit. Have you got the assessment that you wanted? And he said, yeah, I have. Again, he sort of was, you know, qualified over being like, ah, see, FP3 was a bit tricky because of that porpoising thing that was unexpected. But the sense was like, yeah, seems, seems generally happier. So, yeah. A shock result still today, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, to to, uh, to see him uh, go on and score score more good results uh, this season. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's Chumba casino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talking of shock results, there was one point early in Q3 where Joe topped the time sheets. You never know. You get a big a big shower come in, the rain comes down, and all of a sudden you've got a crazy, you know, a crazy pole, a pole sitter. But crucially for Red Bull, with Checo Perez, in fourth, they can start. He's doing that, that Red Bull number two driver job that, again, as you mentioned, Red Bull have that clear structure of, yeah, you know what you're doing, you're number, you're number two driver, where Ferrari don't have that at this stage of the season. But Red Bull, Codders can play, hopefully, some team games there because they've got him right up the front as well. Yeah, I mean, drivers um, sometimes cavil about playing number two roles, but at the same time, they are employees and, and Sergio Perez is at a point in his career where he, um, he, he he's fortunate to have a drive at all because he, he, he lost his drive um, with Racing Point. And so he, he's sort of in that role where although he'd like to succeed, he's a competitive individual. At the same time, he needs to play that number two role. And in, he is in that position where he can do that. And he's doing it a lot better than, say, for instance, Pierre Gasly did when he was the, the number two at 
Red Bull, but saw himself as equal number one and yet was qualifying, you know, a second and a half behind Max Verstappen and leaving that gap behind Verstappen that enabled Mercedes to play tune strategically. So with with Perez now being so close to Verstappen and sometimes being a little bit quicker at times, he is um, able to play a part in that and he has... He has shown the capability to understand when the team have that Valtteri it's James moment with him, and you know <laughs> you, you you need to play ball. But yeah, and and it's it's something that happens all through Formula One. Like there's the famous story of Dr. Harvey Postlethwaite when he was the technical director at Ferrari, with all the political shenanigans that entails. Um, actually, wrote his salary down on a piece of paper and kept it in his top drawer, so that when the politics became too Byzantine and unpleasant. And he had that conversation with himself saying, why do I put up with this? All he had to do was open <laughs> the drawer, the look at the number, <laughs> close it's the drawer. Fine. It's fine. <laughs> hey, you know, it's fine. You've got the mortgage to pay. Um, let's work our way down the grid a little bit. And Mercedes trackside engineering director Andrew Shovlin pointing out that the upgrades, the W13, Alex, have added something here at Silverstone. Um, in fact, uh, Mercedes were, I don't know who you spoke to with anyone after qualifying, almost disappointed with fifth and eighth with Lewis and George Russell because it was wet, corner speeds are slower, less bouncing. They fancied themselves. But what's your take on what you've seen this weekend so far on Mercedes? Yeah, so far, I think in the dry, it's a different story, obviously, to how it was in the wet. I think, you know, they they, they should be disappointed uh, with uh, with fifth uh, and eighth. Well, not necessarily with, with fifth because I think while they are better, they, they even themselves admitted yesterday that Ferrari and, 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 and Red Bull would take a, a step clear come the, come the really important sessions. But I think the really important thing is that they're not having the end of straight porpoising. They're still having the, the hopping that George Russell has been referring to in the corners. But the car just looks, it looks more nimble now. It looks, it doesn't look like it's really, you know, hurting and holding back the drivers. So they've, they've clearly made a step and that, that's impressive. But Again, I think the team is keen to, to to push this out because they're they're very you know they're just a very sensible squad there you know they're gonna they're gonna under promise and over deliver but I think they're very conscious of the fact that this track suits them as a team and it suits their car packages it suits the way that they work so it's it's not definitive not definitive yet but uh, but yeah probably you know the, the the wet conditions as you as you said earlier Martin you know it it offers the chance for for a real shock result as as we see with science. Uh, so yeah, maybe 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 they were hoping for for something, but I think the conditions just just went away from them uh, in Q three. It's been a great season for synonyms from Mercedes, hasn't it? We've gone from porpoising to bouncing to hopping. When are we going to get gyrating? <laughs> maybe oscillating. Uh, there, yes, uh, we saw. Um, well, firstly, as you mentioned on yesterday's podcast, Codders, Lewis Hamilton hasn't forgotten to drive, much as social media thinks, because he's been behind George Russell at times. The old boy's lost it. Uh, but talking of the old boy, Fernando Alonso pumping in some uh, early quick times in Q3, uh, but also impressive from the younger drivers as well. We've mentioned Latifi, but also Joe um, ending up in ninth on the grid. A fabulous result for him. Just a, a few thoughts from you on those drivers further down. Yeah, he needed that, didn't he? Because uh, Joe's had problems with the car with, with getaways, which he put down to electronic issues earlier in the season. And uh, although he sort of played himself back in, I'd, I'd say in the past sort of three or four races, um, he and Mick Schumacher, although we didn't, we didn't see the greatest performance from Mick today, they've, they've actually shown what they're made of. And, and that's been quite pleasing because particularly for Joe, who um, lots of people said that he was chosen for political and commercial reasons because he brings a lot of Chinese attention and yeah, that's as may be but 
as, as as they're looking towards other people further down the food chain, Theo Pachere, um, it's also in action today in F2, uh, he needs to start pulling something out of the bag. So it's, it's always funny how certain drivers um, start to come good when contracts are contractual discussions are imminent. I, I would say you're doing a disservice to Joe. Oh, why? Oh, well, I love a good he, he, he was in Q3 in Canada. And I, and I, and I said then, and, and I say again, I think he's just been very, very unlucky. You know, the, 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 the engine, I think it was the temperature issue uh, in Baku when he was ahead of Bottas. And, and actually, I think... I know he's your, I know he's uh, your son, Codis, but I think I think <laughs> I think Valtteri Bottas has uh, has been underperforming of late, like quite you know quite considerably. You know he needed to get on it early in Q two and, and didn't and, and paid the price for it here. You know raced very well in Canada. I'll give that apart from the first lap where uh, where he whacked that bollard after going off. Um, and, and was very unlucky with Fernando Alonso doing some outrageous weaving on the final lap as well. But anyway, um, yeah, I think I think Joe's been been very been for, for, for a, a rookie driver in a in a in a team that's been up and down the pecking order thanks to the Ferrari engine, but he's he's very well run. We know that uh, with the Sauber run squad. Yeah, I think I think Joe's Joe's doing a good job. It's that time of the season. It's the Giovinazzi time of the season. Where all of a sudden, some good performances come out. You go, okay, well, we'll just keep you on for one more year then. But um, uh, looking forward to seeing uh, what Aston Martin can do tomorrow because, again, there's a team that we could walk to from where we're recording this podcast right now and had a, had a really terrible uh, home Grand Prix. Uh, what have you seen from, from Aston? If anything, they can... Uh, I've seen lots, lots and lots of the new kind of green merch uh, around as well. So there's clearly a big fan base as well. I think that's, I mean, Vettel that's brings a lot of that as well. I think Vettel brings a lot of that. I think the he he has engaged with say the young demographic. I think for, which is weird for someone who's not on social media. But I think the fact that he's not like the other racing drivers in that he speaks his mind on social matters and that sort of thing. It's almost like he stepped into that Kimmy mode of, of, of being kind of the alternative, the sort of the slightly maverick uh, character. Yes, with his with saying what he thinks and well, what are you going to do? Stop me from racing or kick me out of Formula One? Like he's achieved everything already. He's got a happy family life. He doesn't bring that into his professional life, and he seems pretty. Uh, he was doing a autograph session earlier that lasted forever. You know, he just carried on signing for the fans as well. So a very very popular racer here, but. Aston, what's what's happened there? Uh, the the problem with them is that they they hit the reset button on their car um, in pre-season. So it, almost before a wheel had turned on their car, they had decided that they'd gone down the wrong route and they went to plan B. And because of the way um, Formula One cars are researched, designed and built, um, d- despite what you might say and you might see on some websites, you, you can't just sort of take a photo of the Red Bull and a week later have a clone of that car running mm. um the they've had to put so much effort into repackaging the cooling of that car to make this new thing work so when they introduced that um that new spec car that was basically their beginning of season and they're still learning about it and anything they then add to that car now is is completely new territory so they are set now basically four or five races behind everyone else. Williams are going to find themselves in that position because they've decided to go down that route as well, mm. introducing a new um, package this weekend, doing it slightly differently and, and, and quite interestingly in having Latifi and Albon um, basically running different packages. That uh, A tactic that works so long as the drivers don't do a hass and hit <laughs> each other on the opening lap at Silverstone. Who's got the new package? 
It's Albon who's got the new uh, the new aerodynamic package, um, but you know to return to Aston Martin, I think that the trouble is it's a difficult car. They're struggling to get on top of it. Um, just didn't really get on top of it at all in in qualifying today. And although Sebastian had to stop to um, take a new crash helmet on because he was, his visor was misting, he said actually you know that wasn't the problem. And Silverstone is a very honest circuit, and it tells you where you are. And you are where you are. And without wishing to turn, make this into a linguist, linguistic plate of spaghetti, <laughs> uh, they are where they are, which is uh, which know. is right at the back of the grid. Yeah, I say that sounds delicious, God. Um, but also, what I would suggest is perhaps a little bit of uh, maybe not very, not necessarily. This is sort of you know a, a common thing for Aston, but just today, a little bit caught out operationally because Vettel was the first driver to take the flag at the end of Q1, and as I said earlier, that was when the conditions were at their best. Therefore, other drivers knocked him down, shuffled him down the order, and that's what that's what really cost him. Uh, as to Lance Stroll, the wet does uh, does show uh, the, the better drivers from the not-so-better drivers. Although he's, he's he's weird, his Stroll. Sometimes he's really good in the wet, and other Monza, times... Wasn't he on the front row? So yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the it's um, just just we you know we really need to amplify that the point Alex just made the the the, the minutiae of Formula One is, is is such that you have to be on top of those tiny little details and and not being the first guy over the line at the end of of, Q, of, of a Q one like this where the track was improving all the time so that other people then knock you out that's quite basic. And that is something that really the pit wall, the Pratt Perch, as it's colloquially known, should have seen coming. Right. How complimentary. Uh, I'll run down the rest of the grid in case I didn't. Uh, Where did we get up to? I mentioned Lando Norris in sixth, Alonso in seventh, George Russell in eighth, ninth, Joe, and in tenth, Nicholas Latifi. Uh, first of the non-top 10 finishers, Pierre Gasly in 11th, then Valtteri Bottas in 12th, followed by Yuki Tsunoda. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo still getting to grips with that, vi- that car in 14th. Esteban Ocon, 15th. Alex Albon in 16th. Kevin Magnussen, uh, the first uh, in 17th, uh, followed by uh, the first of the two Aston Martins in 18th. Mick Schumacher in 19th and Lance Stroll in 20th. Right, last minute of the podcast. Anything I've not covered off or you feel strongly about talking about or you haven't got to, it's fine. We can just uh, go home. I took a note. Um, Espan Ocon had a battery issue of uh, of some sort that caused him problems. So that that was his excuse note for being at the wrong end of the grid from uh, from Fernando. So that that's just one nuance from from from, from the, the, the bottom half, shall we say. <laughs> Looking forward to tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean you know, we journalists do love a good dramatic story. Perhaps the title rivals would like to give us that by colliding once again uh, in the British Grand Prix. But I mean, you obviously never like to see anyone crash. But you know, wouldn't that uh, wouldn't that be interesting to say the least? Uh, but yeah, just hope it's a good race. You know, um, yeah, it was um, it was pretty spectacular last year. So let's see what happens. Check out autosport.com for all of the latest news stories as they break and as we head towards another brilliant round of the Formula One World Championship. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today as we come live from the GP Racing Fan Village and we'll see you tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.